From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. We're just basically sitting around. I try to drink 10 beers in an hour, get annihilated, curse a lot. Good Lord, Cofield. You have eaten your share of hot dogs in your life. Have you not? I'm an American. I don't want to be muzzled. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, four o'clock hour. That was a hell of a conversation, right, Candy, with uh, Lindsay Zarniak. A lot of topics, and she she was soldiering on as she was distracted by. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't mean to laugh. I was chuckling in the background. She's telling a story about how you know she's got family members there because her house was destroyed in Louisiana, and like I'm I'm chuckling in the background. I wasn't chuckling at the fact that her house was destroyed. But if you've ever been in a situation where you've got a bunch of people living with you and it just goes on and on and on, it is very interesting. If anyone ever doubted what working moms do, think about how Lindsay Zarniak is traveling around the country to cover various sporting events, traveling internationally for the Olympics, and also at home dealing with four children under seven and trying to mesh a couple of families. That's uh, that's impressive. I spent four days in New Orleans with my older brother and his wife, and I was done. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four. Number five. Same thing, right? Not really. Not really. All right, we got bets. We got bets. Uh, this one's a little bit weird, Candy. It is Battle for the Cannon Week. Reno, UNLV. UNLV football hasn't won a game this year. They actually have had a lot of success against Reno in recent years. Last year got a little bit out of hand at the end, but it's an intense rivalry. What about this bet between the mayors? Carolyn Goodman tweets out, I'll take UNLV plus 20 and a half against Reno. Like, wait, wait. Have you ever seen a mayor or governor bet where the point spread was involved? Yeah, that is a loaded, <laughs> loaded bet, right? Mostly it's just, hey, my team wins, your team wins. Uh, you, right. You get the pot of chili and I get the garlic necklace. You know, like whatever it is that you're trading back and forth from your cities. Um, I don't know. I, I, if I if I'm up in Reno, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm willing to uh, lay the points. I want to just play this this thing straight. What if the mayor of Reno really is a good sports gambler, and she's like, oh, I can't take the bet. I actually like the value. I already bet the Rebels. Yeah. What uh, What if she says that, uh, that? You know, I'll only do it if you put this into a parlay with next year's game. Let's no. Let's do a same game parlay. Let's get like five different elements. Oh added. no! Uh, wrong with over three and a half touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make it interesting. All right. Well, you know, Mayor Goodman. Obviously, her husband's a big better. We know that uh, Carolyn Goodman likes to bet. There you go. Number four. A lot of interesting stories on the Rebels roster, Candy. Uh, the big story is they continue to lose and they continue to fall short in hard-fought games. Uh, I didn't get to ask you, what do you think about the X's and O's approach by Marcus Arroyo in the contest back to Thursday against San Jose State? Specifically, the seven-yard, check that, seven-minute drive to close the game. There were parts of it early on that made sense, and then you got down to about the final minute and a half, and I could not figure out what the intent was. Using two timeouts back-to-back, essentially, with about a minute 15 left, and then just allowing the clock to run and run and run. I understand if you're a coach thinking to yourself, all right, I don't want to give the ball back to the other team because the better side for UNLV is probably the offensive side of the ball with the way Cameron Friel was playing in that game. That being said, uh, 
you're now asking a true freshman quarterback who is going to become the first quarterback to finish a game start to finish all year long to be able to manage the clock in that situation with the team going for the winning score, that is a lot to put on that kid's shoulders. So I did not think that Marcus Arroyo's choices gave his team the best chance to win on that last drive. The craziness of this season, do you realize if that were at like one minute, 90 seconds left in the game, that that what turned out to be really the final play where Kyle Harmon came untouched off the edge for San Jose State and it looked like he had folded Cameron Friel at half, that Friel may have had to go off the field and not finish the game again, but they basically ran out of time. And it's not funny because I thought he got seriously injured, and I thought um, normal targeting rules, they would have at least looked at it. Um, so there, there's a lot going on with the Rebels right now in terms of what happened down the stretch there because of injuries. So if you noticed, some of the timeouts were necessary because guys didn't know where to line up. They are down to their sixth, they were at least in that game, their sixth and seventh receiver, right? Uh, Marcus Phillips doesn't play a whole lot. Jordan Jakes is just starting to play. So they were having trouble at receiver and just getting everyone lined up. Shelton Zeon, who's the third and technically coming into the year, I guess he would have been third or fourth because of uh, Noah Bean uh, being out and now Faolo going out. Uh, but I wanted to concentrate on the receiver position. Like I just said, they're having to go six and seven deep at receiver. I don't know the official status this weekend for everyone yet, Candy, and they really don't release that stuff. But my guess is that Kyle Williams, their number one receiver, who actually had a really good game. He was dealing with a hamstring the entire game. Um, he's, I'll say, very questionable for this weekend, right? Uh, Nahi, as they call him. Mendiola Jensen, the true freshman. He didn't play last game. I would say he's questionable for this game coming up. Kylie Collins, it hasn't really been reported because I keep seeing him on an injury report. He's out for the year. Uh, he had a meniscus injury, so he was on the sideline in a, um, a long brace. I think it was on his right leg. Um, so they're they're having to go so deep at receiver that a uh, good catch by Paloma from Fox 5 who was out there. Uh, Tate Martell was working today at receiver. What do you think of that? Let's get the kid on the field one way or the other since yeah. apparently we don't think he's competent enough to handle the quarterback packages. And to your point about the timeouts late in the game, then I think you need to adjust what sets you're calling. If you've got kids that are going out there who aren't sure how to line up, yes, they should be in the playbook. But, of course, you know, it's nerves time down the stretch there. Right. Maybe you adjust who's on the field to try to avoid it. They've got questions now left tackle. Uh, Clayton Bradley had to leave the game. So he's questionable for this Reno game. And I'll tell you the, the scariest one. And I think he'll be, you know, better than he was on Monday. But uh, Charles Williams also, I thought, got his leg wrenched a bit and was limping on Monday. Boy, oh boy, they got they got they got to have like an eighty percent minimum Charles Williams to really compete in this game. I mean, this is the problem with Reno is, uh, you know, in facing them, they are pretty stout on defense and they've got you know the really good old big linemen up front. But this offense, you saw what Dubs did. In this last game, they are going to throw deep and throw deep and throw deep again. Number three. All right, we got Deshaun Watson rumors heating up. But with that, Candy, we've also got rumors now around Tua. Who is going to want Tua? I'm not saying that no one will want him. But who do you think is going to be on the list to actually be the other team if Watson is traded, say, to Miami? Who can Tua be spun off to? So, I think Tua Tagovailoa has more value than a lot of people are giving him credit for. So do I. Um, right now, he's graded number 16 by Pro Football Focus 
in the games that he's played, which is, of course, only four of them this year. Um, tank for Tua wasn't that long ago. And the Miami Dolphins have not been able to put a line in front of Tua Tagovailoa to really see whether he can do the job or not. If you look back to last year, the average time to pressure, as in how quickly when other teams got to the quarterback, how quickly did they get there? No one got to the quarterback faster than teams did against the Miami Dolphins. Now, Tua has a very quick time to throw because they weren't letting him throw down the field. So there are still a lot of tools that are in there with Tua Tagovailoa. I don't know that Miami would be able to get the same kind of value that you're going to get for a Deshaun Watson, even with his problems. But he's still on a rookie contract. He's still a kid who was considered a number one overall pick before his injury. There should be a market for Tua. Do you think he'll fetch at least one first-round pick, or is that laughable? Without question, he'll fetch a first-round pick. He's a quarterback. He's a quarterback on a rookie deal. I mean, if Miami takes less than a first-round pick for Tua Tagovailoa, they're out of their minds. One story has the candidates, and I actually think this is the wrong angle, the candidates for Tua listed as the Saints, who are in a transitional period. Is Jameis the guy or not? The Saints, the Lions, you know, golf is going to be gone eventually. The Broncos, who still have not answered their QB question. Saints, Lions, Broncos, football team, and Texans. Let me throw this one at you and at the audience. If the price is cheap enough and you can buy low, why wouldn't good teams, good organizations, try to jump in and grab Tua? Teams like the Browns, the Steelers, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Niners, Seattle, right? All situations where, you know, in the case, of, I'll go through them. Mayfield, do you want to give Baker Mayfield $35 million a year or you want to put a little pressure on him and go, hey, we got the next guy on a cheap contract? Steelers don't have their quarterback of the future. Vikings going to continue with Kirk Cousins at that number? Probably not. Falcons, is Matt Ryan the guy for one more year or five more years? San Francisco, do they have the answer in Trey Lance? Um, and Seattle, I still believe that Russ Wilson um, is done after this year. And I'll throw one more team in there. Should the Raiders make a call? I don't think it's wise for the Raiders to make that call because would you rather have Derek Carr? Would you rather have Tua? I would definitely rather have Derek Carr. But let me tell you, the, the team in there that you said that just jumps off the page at me. Great offensive mind. Experience with an undersized quarterback. You put him in New Orleans and bring Michael Thomas back into the equation? Hmm. I think Tua Tagovailoa could be a reclamation project well worth spending draft capital on for the New Orleans Saints. Number two. I got so much on this topic, but I got to hold back. I got to hold back. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll try to get to a little more of it in a couple of minutes. Top two stories. Candy, you look at all the numbers. You know, you, the audience, you just heard Adam Candy talking about quarterback grades and Tua and that he's actually in decent shape according to PFF. Uh, Raiders are 5-2. and two. By the numbers, is this an impressive, a legit 5-2? and two? Is it sort of phony? Like, what does pro football focus say? What is the, the DVOA, whatever that's called? What, 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 are, what are the numbers people saying? The numbers people are split, and that's what I find really interesting about this Raiders team. I will be very clear about the fact that I have bet the Raiders both of the last two weeks. They're clearly better than the Broncos, and they're clearly better than the Eagles, and it's been fairly uh, comfortable tickets cashing in that spot. But the numbers, if you look at Pro Football Focus, and let's start by saying Pro Football Focus, that's grading this year. They're just talking about the performance of this year. So Raiders fans, if you're getting ready 
to drag me for the things I'm going to say in a minute, make sure you're listening to this part because this is the positive part for your team in which we say Pro Football Focus likes the Las Vegas Raiders. 10th overall in offensive grade 14th, in defensive grade 8th, but more importantly, still, still number one in the league in pass rush grade. And coverage grade, which of course we talked about as the biggest weakness for this team, and they haven't seen Trayvon Mullen in quite a long time, same for Damon Arnett. They are fourth in PFF coverage grade. That doesn't mean that it predicts the future. That just means Pro Football Focus says they've played really well thus far. Now let me give you the dissenting opinion that comes from numbers that factor in what did we think about the Raiders before the season, and how do we measure them against other teams instead of just against one grade? Because Football Outsiders DVOA, not so sure about the Raiders. 19th overall, 19th in offense, 17th in defense, wow. 20th in special teams. But most importantly, they have a measure called Dave. Doesn't that sound fun? What? Dave. Doesn't that sound fun? What does Dave think? <laughs> what does Dave think about my team? Uh, Dave is a measure that looks at what did we think about the Raiders before the year? And it's a sliding scale. As we play more games, the preseason weight means less and less and less. This season means more and more and more. Well, the Raiders and the Titans are both sitting down there at 19 and 20 at 5 and 2. Okay, 22nd is Denver. 23rd is Washington. 24th is Chicago. So they are not in great company down there. Mm. We are still kind of in a prove-it phase for DVOA with the Raiders. But here's the thing I would point at. And Raiders fans, I know what you're going to say. You can only beat the teams that are on your schedule. Well, up until this point, DBOA says the Raiders have played the sixth easiest schedule in the NFL. For the rest of the year, they're going to play the 11th hardest schedule in the NFL. You think they're real? We're going to find out. I've got a ticket on them from before the season to make the playoffs at nearly 3-1. to one. I've got a ticket on them to go over seven wins. I think the Raiders are a team that should be in playoff contention. But if you think they're 5-2 and two the same way that teams like the Rams are up there, I would pump the brakes on that. Number one. All right. I got to call an audible. I got to call an audible from our original rundown. Let me. Uh, Omaha. Let me, Omaha. Oh, no, hold, on, hold on. Let me do it Derek Carr style. Hold on. I'm going to. First of all, I'm going to employ some claps. So you got to do a clap. So you got to, you know, for the silent count. But then I'm going to yell. Big Mac. Spencer Rattler. Cadillac Escalade. Porky Pig. All right. Does that work? Is that is that is that too many? Too many variants in there? Too many variables? I, th- I think I think we're throwing a wide receiver screen to Antonio Brown. God, I thought I hit that well. You nailed it. Nailed it again. Damn it. All right. Number one on the other side, uh, Derek Carr has put himself in quite the position. The dude is, uh, what, a top 10 quarterback, maybe even higher. Candy will tell us, according to Pro Football Focus. Remember all that? Talk behind the scenes like, hmm, does this guy deserve that next long-term contract? Well, man, the numbers he's putting up, uh, the Raiders are going to have to pay up. Should they be paying up? Should they be starting now on negotiations with Team Carr? It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. Keenum keeps, flips, pass, caught, touchdown, Stanton. And Case Keenum did a lot of good on that possession for the Cleveland Browns. Well, they never count for the fullback. 
Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Adam Candy, Steve Cofield. Just to take you behind the curtain for a second, um, if you listen to that cut closely, there was a long pause. And normally, right, Ari, what happens if we play cuts that have, like, stupid pauses? Uh, I will fire at you and say what? Oh, well, first you give me a look. <laughs> well, and then, I have, like, to dis- then well, I have to distinguish what that look is about. Did I screw that up? Is it Well, we want else? things to be trimmed up for the, for the listeners, you know, Listening pleasure. Yeah. It's a it's a waste of time. But anyway, uh, that was actually left in there on the Johnny Stanton highlight because I swear, Candy, there must have been a moment where Aikman and Buck were like, uh, like, like scrolling through whatever notes. Or like Stanton, because you notice when he did the call, he's like Stanton, and that was it. That's all we got on Johnny Stanton. But a uh, very cool moment. That's why play-by-play broadcasters have spotters. People who could point directly to the place on your prep sheet yeah. where you've got that guy. Um, also, pulling back the curtain, I, I don't know. Man. Maybe, maybe the, I guess the, the TV guys have a pretty good vantage point. I I don't know how radio people, when you, you know, you've done a lot of radio play-by-play. I don't know how you got football games. I don't know how you guys see anything, even with the help of the spotter. You, you are so oh. far up. I'll tell you exactly how it works. Um, for most play-by-play guys, they want to identify the offensive player because that – cuts it in half right they'll identify the offensive player and the spotter will have the binoculars out trying to identify who was in on the tackle and get the names of the defensive player point to the chart and let them know who it is you're not figuring out both because that would be next to impossible <laughs> everyone in the truck is like johnny what stan who what yeah he was on a practice squad for the browns they just brought him up a couple of weeks ago he's been with the organization a couple of years we've had him on the show before fascinating kid really nice guy uh played for unlv played in nebraska was a high level quarterback recruit you remember at unlv he played some quarterback he actually engineered one of the great upsets in recent memory where they were like a three touchdown favorite i think it was at fresno he was filling in and basically switched from defense where he's playing linebacker and they're like go play quarterback all right kind of cool um it also gets me thinking johnny stanton who's now made a successful transition and he's still working his way on a, you know, full time, you know, he's guaranteed a roster spot as a tight end and a fullback. Um, I'm not saying this guy can be a fullback, but I still believe that Armani Rogers, who used to be here, who just popped off a 99 yard touchdown run a couple weeks ago at six, five and 235 pounds. And I don't know what he runs the 40 in, but it looked good when he was going 99 yards. I still believe like he is Johnny Stanton like like he's got there's got to be something for Armani Rodgers a dude that big that fast in the NFL. Yeah, I mean those are tight end numbers, right? You bulk that guy up another 10 15 pounds yeah. and you've got exactly what you look for out of your average tight end. Derek Carr by the numbers, you know, size-wise like doesn't pop off the page. Right? He's not 6-5, he's not 240. Uh, he's kind of a medium size guy at quarterback. Um, and he's so good from a cerebral standpoint. Um, his numbers are freaking eye popping, uh, and they really that like those numbers are the ones that count the most. PFF is saying that Carr is having a monster season, and it's not the first monster season he's had. I mean, most measures put Derek Carr as a top ten quarterback last year. Right now, Derek Carr by Pro Football Focus grade is the number three quarterback in the NFL. And we're starting to get to the point of the season where you have enough data points that this isn't just small sample size noise. Derek Carr is behind Tom Brady and Kyler Murray. He is ahead of Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and of course, Kirk doesn't throw the ball as much. 
Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. I mean, there are a lot of names that Derek Carr is ahead of. And we've seen it with our own eyes, right? With the exception of a couple of games, the things we were really concerned about with Derek Carr have settled down even behind this patchwork offensive line that Tom Cable has been trying to stitch together all year long because it was the happy feet, right? We used to say Derek Carr wouldn't stay in the pocket. Derek Carr wouldn't take the hit. Well, Derek Carr, with the exception of one bad throw to Foster Moreau against Miami, has shown the willingness to stand in there, not just this year, but last year too. And Derek Carr's coming up on the end of his contract, which most of you know. He's getting paid $19.5 million this year <laughs> and next year. Raiders can cut him. Raiders can cut him at the end of the year with no cap hit. If someone like Russell Wilson becomes available, if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, they can do it. And I say they shouldn't. I say they need to start looking at Derek Carr extensions. Derek Carr is still of an age where he's going to be able to produce high-level football for this team. I think Derek Carr has taken that step out of the middle tier and into the fringes of that second or third tier where you can look at him and say, is he worth $20 million this year and next year? You're damn right he's worth $20 million this year and next year. In fact, he's probably worth more because let's talk about what some quarterbacks are going to make next year. Matt Ryan is going to make $48 million next year. <laughs> Jared Goff is going to make 31 Carson Wentz is going to make 28 Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make $27 million. Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are going to make the same amount of money next year as Derek Carr. If you think Derek Carr is the future of this franchise for any length of time, the buy window to do this at a reasonable number is leaving you. It is disappearing, and there's no more you need to see. You've seen everything you need to see from Derek Carr to know if he's the quarterback of the future or not. So why would you not right now go and try to lock up Derek Carr to a two- or three-year extension? I'm not saying you give him the farm and give him one of those Carson Wentz five-year you know, Kobe retirement contracts. Why would you not go out there and try to say, we've got these young receivers that we believe in. We have Max Crosby playing at a Pro Bowl level. We finally seem to have figured some things out, both offensively and defensively, even if we're not a NFC, I should say, an AFC West winning team this year. Maybe we could be in the next couple of years. And maybe we should see if Derek Carr is willing to take a short-term extension. And you know what? If he's not, that's fine. Then you consider what the future looks like. But finding an above-average quarterback in the NFL is not an easy thing to do. And I think Derek Carr has shown enough that the Raiders should be considering trying to keep him around. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Here's Barzell, bottom of the circle. He scored! Tucked it inside the right post and hit multiple portions of the frame, and it's 2-0 New York. Barzell from deep on the right side, 2-0 Islanders. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Islanders. Mm. All right. It's been rough here, Candy. It's been rough for the Knights. They got a game coming up here in about 22, 25 minutes. Numbers actually jumped up. I got the uh, – I didn't get the full value. I bet the Knights plus 155. It's plus 165 now. What I'm hoping is that with this low uh, – current low goal output, 
that Leonard is going to stand on his head and have one of those monster games to get him going back in the right direction. Do you buy that? What are the numbers said so far about Leonard? It's well within the realm of possibility for Robin Leonard to do that. And Robin Leonard, to, in order to do that, is probably going to need just a little bit more help than he's yeah. gotten so far this year. Uh, if you look at the numbers on Robin Leonard and get deep into the advanced stats on him, you take the basic stat of save percentage and you see, you know what? Hasn't been great. Robin Leonard's 33rd out of 42 qualifying goalies. You know who's below him? Andre Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury. So don't freak out too much at five games. Um, here's what you should freak out about if you're a Golden Knights fan. Let's go to the stat of expected goals against, which is a measure that just looks at, based on the quality of the shots that the other team is getting, how many goals would you ex have expected that goaltender to give up? Robin Leonard is second in the NHL behind Ilya Sorokin, who has played one more game than him in expected goals against. That's how much the Golden Knights have hung him out to dry on defense. But you know what? He also has made the third most high-danger saves against the third most high-danger chances. Basically, those scary, scary goals that you're looking and you're saying, oh, God, oh, no, can he get this one? Yeah, Robin Leonard has actually been okay against those, and he has faced the second-most rush attempts against him in hockey. Like, odd man breaks against him, breakaways. Only a couple of goalies have faced more than Robin Leonard had. Now, the one thing he needs to clean up is the rebounds. Uh, he's given up 17 rebound attempts against. Only two goaltenders have allowed more than that. Robin Leonard has some numbers that suggest that he hasn't played to his top level yet, but in order for him to do that, Golden Knights have to give him some more help. Fox Sports Las Vegas is the home of Golden Knights hockey, so they got the pregame rolling right now. 5 o'clock, a little after 5 o'clock, is a puck drop in Colorado. On the way back, Candy, you mentioned earlier, nice uh, humble brag. Hey, why not, man? You got some incredible value. What'd you get on the yes? What was the plus number? Yes, the Raiders make the playoffs? 280. 280! Wow. All right, well, betting expert, Candy is one, uh, but Sam Paniotovich will come in. Right now, the Raiders' yes is minus 135 to make the playoffs. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Betting expert from Nesson, Fox Sports. Sam is up. Sam, we were just talking about the Raiders and the uh, now yes-no numbers on make the playoffs. Candy's got a yes plus 280. That is now at minus 135. The no is plus 115. What do you think of the Raiders bet to make the playoffs? Well, at this current point, I think it's a good bet. Candy has what number again? Plus what? Plus 280. Wow. Yeah. You know what's crazy? A lot of those markets still, when you look at the standings in the AFC, a lot of those markets are pricing in the fact that Kansas City eventually likely turns mm -hmm. the corner, which we don't know if it's going to happen. We also don't know about Cleveland with Baker Mayfield and his labrum issue. If it's Case Keenum the rest of the season, I like the Raiders more than the Browns. And if Kansas City can't block for Mahomes and can't stop a nosebleed on defense, man, that's a great bet. I mean, it's already a good bet given the number you got, but I still don't hate that bet at the current number. So, Sammy, we're still looking at the Chiefs this week as 10-point favorites <laughs> against the New York Giants. I don't know if this is just 
what the bookmakers are looking at and saying that the people won't adjust to the Chiefs, but they continue to hang these huge numbers on Kansas City, and and there's just nothing we've seen for a few weeks now that would support it. I'm with you there. Thing is, I'm not that jaded yet because I haven't bet Kansas City ATS all season. I've sort of let that go because they closed last season. I think it was a 1-9 ATS record in the regular season and postseason to finish. And, of course, they don't cover in the Super Bowl as a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite. They've been awful this year, 2-5 and five against the number. But, like I said, I'm not really that spooked yet because I haven't jumped in yet. And I feel like if there's any spot, and Steve, back me up on this. I haven't lauded the Chiefs at all this season on your show. If there's any spot to bet Kansas City, this is the one. They are 0-3. Listen, they're 0-3 <laughs> ATS at home this year. Here's what they played at home at Arrowhead. Cleveland, L.A. Chargers, Buffalo Bills. This is the first sacrificial lamb that has rolled into Arrowhead. And if they can't beat this team, Candy, I'd be happy to go down with the Titanic this week. I'm more than okay being 0-1 on KC ATS. I will lay the 10. Actually, if you look at the Westgate, Westgate's got a a 9.5 right now because Sharp Money clearly came in and took the 10 with the Giants, but man, that team sucks. Like you're really only taking it because you're fading Kansas city. That's my argument. Like, are you betting it because you like the Giants, or are you betting it because you hate the chiefs? Which one is it? Uh, for me, I'm a giants fan. I'm, I'm going to hate the giants and not bet on the chiefs. So I think it can work both ways. Uh, you have a lot better things to worry about starting tonight with the world series. Uh, what's going on with you and the, the Atlanta Braves? Oh, man. We popped it before the season, 14 to 1, got a little bit of an 18 to 1 ticket. So there's a lot of money in the kitty right now. And I, I've i been through too much this year with this team, even though I haven't played a single pitch or done really anything. I feel like I'm a part of the team because I, I bought in in early March with the Acuna, with the Acuna injury, the Ozuna fallout, with all the stuff he was doing off the field. Give Anthopolis, the GM, a lot of credit for being aggressive because he's always been an aggressive cat. Acuna goes out. He trades for Rosario, Duvall, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler. He showed up that bullpen. They just beat the defending champs. Candy, I was told a long time ago to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. And when they knock off the Dodgers, man, like I I know I could hedge. I could put a little bit of my bets on the Houston Astros, minus 140, minus 145, but I hate that team. I hate Altuve. I hate Bregman. I hate Dusty Baker. There's no hedge here, pal. I'm going all in. I'm rolling the bet. Braves win the World Series. We got 14, 18 to 1. No hedge. So we have just a few minutes left if you want to get in on World Series MVP prior to game starting uh who do you think we should be looking at in that mvp market well freddie freeman's the easy answer if you're looking on the atlanta side but i saw eddie rosario i want to say about 20 to 1 that's a guy who's been really really hot in the last two rounds or so so if you're looking for a brave guy it's probably going to be somebody holding a bat it's not going to be a starting pitcher it won't be a bullpen guy for that matter you're looking for the thump and the braves are going to win the world series if they hit the snot out of the baseball. And you're, you're talking about guys like um, Freddie Freeman. I think Rosario, though, is is very, very live uh, to win the World Series MVP. I think I saw 15, 18 to 1, depending on where you shop, 
Uh, but it would be one of those two guys because if the Braves win, it will be with offense. And if you like Houston, look, a lot of people listening like the Houston Astros, that's fine. Alex Bregman would be my play. If they win it, it's probably because of Bregman. He's a rock star the last few weeks. NFL Thursday, short week because of, uh, you know, the uh, the Thursday night spot. Always integrity issues. I hate this game for this reason. But uh, Devontae Adams, COVID, Alan Lazard put on the list as well. What do you think of the number? Now it's uh, six and a half everywhere with Zona favored against Green Bay. This is one of those situations where I think a lot of people, a lot of sharp people for that matter, they're going to let this get to seven and they're going to be like, well, I'm going to take seven. All right. Well, do you really want to take the Packers on a short week down their best two weapons on offense? I don't. So let's flip the script here. If you're a teaser player, I think this Arizona side is very, very solid. You can now take the six and a half down through the six, through the four, the three, and down through the two. Get down to, you know, Arizona minus a hook. Or if you do six and a half teasers, you do it down to pick them. I think that is the side here. I've been waiting to bet against Arizona, trying to find that right spot. I did it a couple of weeks ago with Cleveland, but Cleveland got bullied off the field. This is not the spot, I don't think, to, to fade Arizona. And I'm not an Arizona guy. Um, I just think there are better spots down the road. I would have loved Green Bay at full strength. But the fact that this market has already moved to six and a half, Steve, you know the public is going to bet the Packers. They're going to take six, six and a half on Sunday, or on Thursday, rather. It's a Thursday game. Public will take the Packers here. I want no part of that team. Short week, not much rest, got to travel, and down your two best weapons. That's a bad spot for Green Bay. Will you bet against the Cowboys laying two and a half at Minnesota? Already did. Already took the money line. Minnesota this year, they've been very good on offense, even though Mike Zimmer tries to hinder what they do because he's such a bad in-game coach. I think sometimes the Vikings, four times this year, they've had 400 yards or more on offense. Last week, 571 yards of offense against Carolina on the road. They certainly have the ammo and the personnel to test the Dallas defense. you got to test the Cowboys laterally, sideline to sideline. And with guys like Madison and Dalvin Cook, plus all their weapons at wide receiver, uh, with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, big tight ends, that's a team they're going to score, and they can definitely put up numbers on Dallas. Here's the other thing. Why did bookmakers open up Dallas Pickham minus one? Cowboys are 6-0 and against the spread. People bet them every single week, and they've been betting them more and more as the weeks go on. This is a stinky, stinky line. Minnesota plus two and a half. I like that, and I also bet some money line, too. Sam Paniotovich with us, our gambling insider from Nesson, from Fox Sports, the Vegas guy. You were here long enough. You're a Vegas guy. A college football, Ole Miss getting two against Auburn? Yeah, sort of weird. I made Ole Miss minus three. We're hearing about some potential suspensions on the defensive side of the ball for Auburn. No names coming out yet. You know how that goes in college. They don't say Jack until we get closer to the weekend. But it's me. It's Matt Corral. I'm going to parlay that together the rest of the season. You know I'm Matt Corral guy. So I think their offense is too good. They play too fast, too much speed, too much tempo. I took the two and a half. And then the other game that's really interesting, uh, not to take the ship from you, but Michigan, Michigan State. I was talking to Matt Metcalf today. And he said, look, I was sort of pulling straws on this number because he goes, I wanted to sort of make it six. I wanted to make Michigan six on the road because I'm not really high on Michigan State. But he told me that, look, if he made it six, he's going to just write it down anyways because sharp guys will bet him six, five and a half, five down to four. So he opened at four, took some big bets on minus four. 
then took big bets the other way, four and a half. So that number pretty solid right here. And the, the move in that game to pay attention to is the total. Total open 53 in the hook, down to 50 in a hook. And usually when Michigan and Michigan State get together, it's a defensive battle. You know, 23-20, 24-21. I like the under more than anything else, and that's where the respected money has shown in the early going. Respected money. All right. I bet Michigan State plus the four and a half. I think they're going to win by a touchdown. I think they're the better What's team. What's wrong with – Hold on. What's wrong with respected money? No, no, no nothing, nothing, nothing. It's, 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 we're all good. We're all good. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I think Michigan State's the better team. I think they're more stout, and I also think they're more dynamic. So uh, we're gonna see. I just, I, I don't think Michigan's that good, and I think they're gonna wind up losing two, three, or four games the rest oh. of the way. I know, I know. Uh, Georgia and Florida. You got anything on this one? I mean, uh, we were talking to our buddy Dave Koken the other day, and he was like, "I'm not betting against Georgia." Really? Florida has no chance. I wouldn't say no chance, but you know, Florida also doesn't have home field in this game. As you know, it's in Jacksonville. It's the cocktail party. I would like it a lot more if it was at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, but because it's a neutral, crowd is sort of 50-50, maybe even 60-40 Georgia. The thing about Georgia's defense is that they stop the run so well, and they put you in those third and seven, third and eight, third and nine situations. I don't know that I like the Florida passing attack. And, dude, 14 in college football, it's not a lot against an elite team. You know, Alabama, they were laying 25 last week. They cover against Tennessee. Georgia, you know, laying 18, 19 against Arkansas. They blew them off the field. I don't like betting against elite teams, so I'm going to pass that one. To me, I agree with Koken. It's Georgia or pass, especially at two touchdowns. Uh, last week, we saw Washington State actually respond decently uh, in the game against BYU after all the nonsense and the exit of Rolovich. What happens with uh, Texas Tech this week in this spot against Oklahoma? Not many people looking to bet Oklahoma, and I, I get it because they haven't really blown a lot of teams out this year. But do we realize that last week on the road at Kansas was the first ever road start for Caleb Williams? Never started on the road. Red Raiders suck, dude. Caleb's going to have a great game. This is going to be 42-17. Oklahoma's going to get right and beat the snot out of Texas Tech. Sam, you're the best. Make sure you listen to Sam's podcast. At, uh, it's Chicken Dinner Podcast at Chicken X Dinner. And uh, I'll say it, none of us are rooting for the Astros. So I hope Paulie and his memory and you, I hope you get the cash on the Braves. I appreciate it, pal. We got Dink Dickinson on the show on Thursday, chicken dinner. Don't miss it. Nice. Thanks, Sam. See you. Uh, real quick, some breaking news. Uh, we can get it out there. Uh, there are more reports that maybe a deal is done for Deshaun Watson in Miami, but one little hurdle. One little hurdle. They, the Dolphins want to make sure that they know what the penalty is going to be for Deshaun Watson. Well, Raj won't give an answer. What's going to happen? This is great.